Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. My name is Chris Colquitt, and it's such a joy to welcome you this morning to Trinity Presbyterian Church. Welcome to all the folks who are in from out of town. This is a wonderful Sunday. I love Sunday, and Christmas Eve falling on Sunday gives us a chance to do what I wish we could do every Sunday, which is to gather in the morning to feast and then to gather again this evening in worship of our God. I do hope that you will join us at 5 o'clock for our Christmas Eve service. would love to have you here. We are in this season of Advent. We've been looking at John chapter 1, which is John's introduction to the life of Jesus, which as we'll talk about tonight, is different than what we find in Luke and the other Gospels, and that we don't see Jesus in Bethlehem. We actually get to see Jesus at the very creation of the world where he existed as the second person of the Trinity for all eternity. And we've been looking at John 1, 1 through 18, and we'll continue to do that this morning. And so if you'd turn in your Bibles or find in your bulletin that text, we will read it and then pray and then consider what the Lord has for us this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for our time this morning. Great God in heaven, we do come to you with praise and adoration, rejoicing in the good news of your gospel and in the beautiful revelation of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We couldn't know you if you didn't reveal yourself to us. We rejoice that you have, most of all in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray now that the Holy Spirit who breathed out these words through the Apostle John would be among us, that he would speak clearly through me, that he would speak in our hearts, and that we would see Christ our Lord and cry out to you, Father, as Father, by the power of the Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Just to catch us up on where we've been in John chapter 1, we've been talking about this Word of God, who is Christ, the Word who was God and was with God, the second person of the Trinity. And when we talked about the Word, we saw that that Word, Word, Lagos, in the Old Testament, points us to both God's revelation and his creation. God creates by his word and he reveals by his word. We see that in the Old Testament. Let there be light and there was light. Creation was spoken into existence by God. And we see it in the prophets who bore the word of the Lord to his people. And John has helped us to see that this word was Christ himself before Bethlehem, the pre-incarnate Christ, through whom all things were created... And he was in himself, and the life that was in him, the light of man, though he was not recognized. And last week, Kelly took us there to verses 12 and 13, where we saw the creating power of God in his incarnation. So we saw his creation and his revelation pre-incarnate, and incarnation is when he became a man at Christmas, but he also inaugurates a creating power in his incarnation, that we become children of God, born of God and not of man. We have new birth, new creation. And this week, we get to think about his revealing power as the incarnate Christ, the revealing power of Jesus Christ who came to this world and took on flesh. And we're going to focus on verses 14 to 18 And especially on verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then verse 18 reminds us that no one has ever seen God, but Christ, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. The Apostle John wants us to know that he has been with Christ himself, and in seeing Christ, he has seen the glory of God, and God has made himself known to us. That's what we want to look into this morning. We'll do that under three headings as we go. First, we're going to think about the the dynamics of glory in general. Second, the glory of God displayed in Christ And third, our response to it. So the dynamics of glory, the display of glory, and then our response to that glory. So first, the dynamics of glory. How does glory work? Glory, if you've been around in the church for some period of time, is one of those words you hear a lot. We've said it, I don't know, 30 times this morning. And it's one of those words, though, that's actually kind of hard. Um, I I don't know about you, but it's kind of like you've been in class for the whole year and you don't really know what it means and you're afraid to ask. I'm supposed to glorify God. I don't actually know what that means. And the reason it's hard is because it's actually a complex concept in the Bible. And so it's okay. I learned a lot about glory this week and it was glorious. And so I get to tell you about that today. I I know more about this word than I did several days ago, and that's exciting. And I hope that you leave this morning knowing slightly more about it, too. When John says that we have seen his glory, what does he mean? What have we seen? 
Well, a few data points as we look at, and we're not going to go through this, so you're going to have to trust me. If you look at the way glory is used in the Bible, I'll say three things, and then I'm going to illustrate it, and then I'm going to say them again, okay? So glory is a quality that someone has or doesn't have, okay? So glory is something that you have. Glory is something that God has. That glory has a specific content. There is a reason that it is glorious. So if you are glorious, there is some, something that that glory consists in. And then third, that glory can be seen or not seen. So glory is something that you have, and there's something to it, and it may or may not be seen and displayed. Tracking so far? That's the way that the Bible talks about this word glory. The Greek word is related to the idea of honor, which is helpful here. It's, not, it's more than honor, but, but our English understanding of honor tracks these, these, these meanings. So you can have honor or not, and that honor is based in something. So you served in a war and you received honor for that, and that honor might be known or unknown. You might be sitting next to somebody this morning who has a ton of honor, and yet you have no idea about it. Y'all see that? Okay. Now an illustration. This involves Taylor Swift. <laughs> and as I, as I do this, I need to be very, 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 very clear that I'm going to use Taylor Swift to, to illustrate the idea of glory and not the glory of God. Okay? So Taylor Swift is going to help us understand what glory is, not what God's glory is. And that's really important for, for everyone here to hear. And actually, that's an application of this sermon. You should not worship Taylor Swift. <laughs> that being said, I am going to impress some of y'all, okay, with my connection to Taylor Swift. Are you ready? <laughs> Taylor Swift has sat on my sister's couch. <laughs> and so have I. Taylor Swift... <laughs> Taylor Swift sat on my sister's couch about 12 years ago, this time of year. My sister lives in Nashville. She's friends with people in the music business, and she was hosting a Christmas party, and one of the people she invited was hanging out with Taylor Swift that night. And so Taylor came over and was there for about 15 minutes while this friend made the appearance, and Taylor Swift sat on my sister's couch. Okay, now you're wondering, what was she like? I wasn't there. Um, I have sat on the couch, though. <laughs> and the answer is, much like those of you who've met a famous person, it's true, the, the answer is she was pretty normal, is the, is the report I got from my sister and from those who observed her. In fact, she acted like somebody who had been taken to a Christmas party full of people that she did not know, uh, and so she sat quietly on the couch until it was time to go. All right. Taylor Swift has glory. There is a glory to Taylor Swift in her talent, and we can debate what that is, but, but it's there, okay? She's a good songwriter, at the very least. Sitting on the couch at my sister's house, that glory was not being displayed. She would need a guitar and a crowd for that glory to be displayed. On my sister's couch, she had glory, such as it was, but that glory was not being, not being shown forth. Y'all see that? That's all, that's all I want us to see about Taylor Swift this, this morning, except that you shouldn't worship Taylor Swift. 
Glory is something that you can have and yet may or may not be displayed. All right? And it consists for Taylor Swift and her gifting and songwriting ability. How does that relate to this? Well, glory in the case of God is something that God has and yet may or may not be displayed. All right? Moses at Sinai, Moses the great leader of Israel who led them out of Egypt, in Exodus 33, Moses is talking to God at the tent of meeting. And he makes a request of God. He says, please show me your glory. And this is a bit of an odd request because Moses is talking to God, right? He is, he is with God. He has seen God lead them out of the land of Egypt through plagues and through the Red Sea. He has seen manna in the wilderness. And yet, he is before God and he has a request that might be fulfilled, which is, show me your glory. I know you're there and I know you're powerful. I want to see your glory. And God says, yes, mostly. To shift illustration for the guys for a minute, If you met Michael Jordan or LeBron James, that'd be interesting, it'd be fun to meet someone who was famous, but if you want to see his glory, you'd want to give him a basketball and put him on basketball court and say, go dunk the ball. And Moses is with God, but he says, I want to see your glory. Show me. And God says, okay, and we'll talk about what he says in a second. What John is saying here in John 1 verse 14 is that Jesus Christ in taking on flesh, is God showing us his glory. The incarnation, Christmas, what we celebrate this day, is God coming to the earth to show us his glory. Not just that he exists, but who he is in glory. To answer Moses' request more fully than he even did at Sinai. Okay, that's the first point. The dynamics of glory. Glory is something that you can have that may or may not be seen. That's important for what comes next, which is the display of God's glory in Christ. God has been and will be glorious in all of eternity. The incarnation, Christmas, doesn't change that. The thing that the incarnation does is reveal that glory to us in a new and fuller way. Okay, so question for John this morning. When did you see the glory of God in Jesus Christ? That's actually a harder question than you might first think. And not only that, but what did you see in the glory of Christ? What was the substance of the glory that was revealed? To help us here, I want you to flip. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to go to John chapter 17. If you have it on your phone, I'm happy for you to get your phone out right now. We're going to read five verses from John 17. If I had been more on my game, I would have put these in the bulletin, but I was not. John 17, 1 1 through 5. This is Jesus praying to God as he's about to go to the cross. And then be risen from the dead and raised in glory in the ascension to sit at the right hand of God. And here's what Jesus prays to God. It says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father... The hour has come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, 
since you have given them authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that you know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And four and five are what I really want to focus on. I have glor- This is Jesus talking. I have glorified you, the Father, on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. The, dyna- the glory dynamics between the Son and the Father are a little bit complicated, and yet they're profoundly revealing for what we want to look at this morning, okay? So Jesus says, I have glorified you, the Father, on earth. So I have revealed your glory through my life so far. But now I'm asking you to glorify me, reveal my glory, the second person of the Trinity, which is a glory that I had with you before the world existed, which gets us back to John 1, 1. When, John, did you see the glory of God and Jesus Christ? Christ had glory with the Father before the world existed. Christ glorified the Father while he was alive. But then there was something more that he himself was revealed in glory. Well, that dynamic of glory, Taylor Swift on the couch, helps us here, okay? Because what we see in Jesus is this, that the Father and the Son both have glory. They are both glorious in themselves. And yet in the pattern of the incarnation, two things happen. Christ comes and displays the glory of the Father, which was not fully displayed before he came. But in doing that, he hides his own glory. Y'all see that? A glory that then, after his death, will be returned to him. And so Christ comes in this world as glorious and yet not revealed as glorious in himself. And yet his work reveals God, who is glorious, the Father, as glorious. That, That confused me to say it. To display the glory of the Father, Christ laid down his own glory. That's the point I want us to get. For God to reveal himself in glory, the second person of the Trinity had to lay down his glory. John, when did you see the glory of God? He says, I saw it. In Christ, in his ascension, I saw it in the miracles he performed. I saw it at the Mount of Transfiguration. John, when did you see the glory of God? He said, I saw the Father's glory, though, in Christ's suffering, in his humility, in his death. See, friends, Christmas is this beautifully complex, Trinitarian self-disclosure of the glory of God. For God... To truly reveal his glory to us, the second person of the Trinity had to lay his glory down and die. Back to Moses at Sinai. Remember he asks to see the the glory of God? And the answer that God gives him is a little bit surprising too. God says, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim my name to you. So he wants glory and says, I'm going to give you my goodness you're not going to be able to see the front of it, just the back of it. And I'm going to tell you my name. 
And what's that name? Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Moses asks to see the glory of God. And God says, this is my goodness. And my goodness is my name. And my name is mercy and grace and truth. See that word, that phrase, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness? Steadfast love is the Hebrew word hesed, which is the closest word we have in Hebrew for the idea of grace. And faithfulness actually could be translated truth. And so when John says here in John 1.14 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, what does he say? Full of grace and truth abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. It's the same thing. The name that was proclaimed to Moses takes on flesh and bears itself to us in revelation of the glory of God. The mercy and grace of God, the grace of God that is so gracious, the humility of God that is so humble that God himself laid down his life for those who had rejected him. And deserved only death. Brothers and sisters, this is the goodness and the grace of God. This is the glory revealed in Jesus Christ. For Taylor Swift to display her glory, we've got to give her a stage, a guitar, and 50,000 teenage girls screaming, okay? For Michael Jordan to display his glory, we need to give him a basketball and a rim, For the God of the universe, the creator of your soul and the stars, to display his glory, he became an infant who grew to a man who was despised and rejected and died. God wrote all of history that he might display his glory to you, and he did it in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's a glory that's only displayed in the emptying of that glory, in the humility and love and death. And that's Christmas, brothers and sisters. When the angels proclaim the glory of the Messiah's birth, they are proclaiming this project of revelation through the person of Jesus Christ who took on flesh. What do we do with that? This this is where I'm going to end. How do we respond to that? Two things. Wonder unto worship. That's one thing. And second, hope unto imitation. I hope in this reflection this morning you have seen something of the glory of God. which is a glory manifested most fully in Christ who laid that glory down and died. What are you going to do with that? There are people in this room this morning who are following Jesus and believe in him and love the Lord. Uh, There are people in this room this morning who aren't quite sure. Uh, And we are so glad every single one of you is here. You are here by God's appointment. 
for all of us, whether we are strong in our faith or stumbling and doubting, I think there's a word here for us, an encouragement to move beyond the simple question of whether God exists and to the question of who God has revealed himself to be. If you're not sure about God, a lot of your thought energy is spent thinking, does he exist? Is there a God? Has this world been created? And if you're a Christian and you are sure of that, you might often think to yourself, I think there's a God. I'm good to go. And, and our worship is at this generality of God's existence. But brothers and sisters, what Jesus Christ revealed is not the generality of a God who exists. What Jesus Christ has revealed is the goodness of the God who is. And whether you're wrestling with God or embracing God, may it be on those terms. Wrestle with the goodness of God revealed in Jesus Christ and embrace that goodness. The creator of this universe, to reveal himself, became a child and then became a tortured, crucified one for you. All of your hopes and dreams about the goodness of this world are declared true in Christ. That behind all of creation is a God who is so good and so glorious that the only way for him to make that known was to lay it down for the sake of those he loved. We have this vague sense that love is the meaning of it all, and it is. It's not vague, it's very particular, and it's revealed in Jesus Christ. And that ought to provoke us to worship, brothers and sisters. Be overwhelmed by this reality. The glory of God is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ who laid his glory down. And secondly, and less importantly, find hope unto imitation, because Christ's glory, you are implicated in Christ's glory, and this is a mystery of the scriptures that we need another few sermons to unpack, but the Bible tells us that if you have put your faith in Jesus, your life is hidden with Christ, and when he appears in glory, you will be revealed in glory, that there will be a day when you are glorified by the Father, that the glory that is his will be yours. But for now, in this world, what it looks like to live a beautiful and glorious life is to lay that glory down and to live a life of humble self-sacrifice for those who do not deserve it. If you want to live a beautiful life, and you should, this is how. We see it in Jesus Christ, and you can do it because you are secure in him. God is great and glorious. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so, so much for this good news of Christmas. Lord, what a remarkable thing that to reveal your glory meant to come as an infant, to enter Mary's womb itself, and then to die. Would you this day overwhelm us with that reality that we might stand in awe and move from awe to worship and from worship to security and from security to imitation of our Savior. 
Lord, as we gather with family these weeks, would you help us to love one another? Would you help us to rest in your love for us? We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.